Howdy everybody, Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you into episode 53 of Justified Pursuit. As always, we've got my good friend, co-host, counselor, Chisholm Cook, riding shotgun. How are you today, buddy? I am feeling uh, vindicated for my optimism. <laughs> you can add uh, eternal optimist to that uh, intro. Uh-huh. Good day. It's a good day in America, man. It is a good day. And we're going to talk a lot about why. I'm sure anyone that's paying attention, watching the news, is aware of what transpired in um, Virginia and looked like everywhere. It looked like it, looked like it really was all, all over the country. Happened. Yeah. Um, but really, everyone's focus was on Virginia as a. Like McAfee was the he was the governor, I think, like. He was a governor before the current governor, right? So I think he was there till like 2017 or 18 or something. Uh, He's been the governor within the last he has 10 been years. The, he, has, he was a former governor of yeah, Virginia. Of Virginia. So he's got skins on the wall, and he just lost to basically a conservative businessman. So, yep. boom. Big, big time ties to Clint, the Clintons. He was one of their primary fundraisers. That was how he got his start in politics. Uh, just not a good guy. No. Um, yeah, saw where he left his wife in labor at a hospital to go attend a rally of some kind, fundraising thing of some kind once upon a time. Uh, but most importantly, he's the jackass who about three weeks ago on a Virginia debate stage said that parents shouldn't have any say in what's taught in schools in the Commonwealth. That's um, when he lost the election. That's pretty much, yeah, that was a spike through the vampire heart of, uh, man, maybe the party for the time being, uh, certainly the party in Virginia. It's not just him, dude. I read earlier that they, that they, the Republicans swept every statewide office that was up for grabs yesterday. Like Virginia didn't just elect a Republican governor. No, the house flipped everything they took it all dude they smoked them and like i said it's not just in virginia yeah new jersey's probably gonna go a squeaker a three-digit squeaker it's like 400 votes right now that uh the democratic incumbent in virginia is up but just the fact that a republican i know him very well from life on my other podcast because he's the jackass the bear hunt guy oh yeah so the the uh, virginia governor has more power than any governor in the country. I don't know if you knew that. So he's like Virginia he's just, or the or J- Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, governor incumbent dumbass up there. Um, so yeah, I've, I've talked about him a lot over the last couple of years. Where he per capita, New Jersey has more black bear than any state in the country in, in the lower forty-eight. So you would think they would need a, a bear season. They're you know they have all these collisions all these human wildlife um, interactions that no reason not to hunt a sustainable resource. Right, that's exactly. At its all but, time well, you know, we, we can't do that. So anyway, uh, you're a lefty. Like, like he's going to win, unfortunately, but um, 
the uh, I, I don't know how do you say the, the guy's Jack is his first name. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yes, yeah, Citrielli or something. He's clearly Italian. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not going to win. It doesn't look like, but man, he sure gave a good fight. Well, and dude, and that's important, right? That's huge. New Jersey is a you know democratic stronghold and has been for a long time. And so for Republican in this climate to sweep in and come within, like I said, what looks to be maybe 500 votes of winning that election is important. It's a big deal, but you know, it goes beyond that. I saw that four city council seats in New York city went Republican Four city council seats. Well, um, that former police officer, he's a Democrat, but in my opinion, he's the closest thing to a conservative that New York city politics seems to have. Um, I'm blanking on that guy's name at the moment, but that, that former police officer in New York won the uh, mayoral race um, in Buffalo, New York, a hardcore lefty progressive that was endorsed by AOC and Bernie Sanders had won the Democratic primary against the Democrat incumbent mayor of B- Buffalo. Somehow, I guess just as a write-in candidate, the, buff- the current mayor uh, still ran yesterday despite the nomination for the Democratic Party going to this lefty progressive. The incumbent has beaten the lefty progressive uh, in Buffalo. I mean, it's Despite still a Democrat person being the, the nominee. For right. The, exactly. The yeah. Uh, right. Exactly. Um, oh, an Ohio, uh, Ohio House seat that was up for special election went Republican. It's uh, dude. It, it's the it's the beginnings of a the red wave 2022 that everybody hopes for. Um, and, you know, we have been saying since the first of the year that all hopes for staving off full-blown socialism for, you know, at least another cycle lied in the lap of Senator Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema Senators, yeah. Manchin and Cinema. And there's a few others, man, like, like I've talked about, uh, Tester up in Montana. He hasn't endorsed any of these socialist policies. He just kind of hasn't been as way out there, outspoken as like Manchin has. He's like, has. yeah, you guys can be the fall guy. Yeah. That's right. But when the votes get ready, to, when it's time to count votes, he's not very likely to alienate Montanans. Anyway, it Have doesn't matter. It only takes how one. Uh, how they're eating their own on that. Like every headline, and I posted one on our Instagram this week, but it's like left wing media is calling them prima donnas. All they want is attention. I'm talking about cinema and mansion that they are attention starved and that's why they just won't get down with the program and, you know, vote in favor of all of Biden's bullshit. Yeah. Vote it's just bullshit better. spin, dude. Right. Bull- but, bullshit spin. They're yeah. like, and they call them racist and they're like, every reality is they actually care about America and they don't, you know, uh, Hey, let's not give them too credit, too much credit. The reality is they live in con- traditionally conservative States and managed because of, you know, I guess okay. a lot of well, their suburban white can guilt. care about America, so therefore right. they care about America, right? As a byproduct, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're not just willing to let the Democrat Party so, shove this crap down everyone's throat. Cinema is the fascinating one because she was like a hardcore revolutionary type progressive in college, uh, member of like some you know on campus. You're the one that told me she's bisexual, right? She's bi, yeah. Like that traditionally doesn't go with uh, conservative values <laughs> on any level. Or moderate, you know, Dude. moderate democratic policy, or uh, yeah, it is. No, I mean, she, 
her past is as a lefty and you know maybe as she's <laughs> reset in three two one she uh i don't even know what i was saying uh my my, my point in all that is to have this uh you know republican tidal wave uh in this off-year election with that spending bill still pending so so right before Biden went to Europe this past week and allegedly maybe shot himself at the Vatican and fell asleep in the meeting, all those things. Um, Right before that, they had supposedly uh, agreed to among the Democratic Party, uh, a one point like seven trillion dollar spending bill down from three point six. Right. So a lot of Republicans were like, yay, great. Those would be the rhino type establishment Republicans who are going to get a piece of that whole thing. Uh-huh. So they're not they're not too post pissed about spending some. They just don't want to spend a lot. Well, so they claim they had a deal at one point seven and he skips town and starts touting. Oh, yeah, it'll be done when I get back. Well, while he was in probably while he was shitting himself, maybe this is why he shit himself. <laughs> Mansion comes out a few days back, just probably over the weekend and said he hasn't agreed to anything on this one point seven trillion dollar spending bill. He still sees it full of nonsensical pork garbage right. and. Uh, a whole bunch of, you know, clear future waste and abuse and all these things. He right? wants to and, walk through it point by point and, and dissect the thing. Yeah. Well, what I think he's doing is basically just stalling it so it'll die on the vine. And what happened yesterday gives him. He was already dug in, but if there was any movement towards them, it, that's over. His heels are now officially dug in. He has all the political clout that he needs because his neighboring state just elected a Republican governor. When did we figure out, is he up next year or the year? I think he's up in the 2024 election. Dude, and, either and way, the way things are way. going, he'll win in a landslide. Yeah, no, no doubt. He's a hero, dude. I mean, we said this, he's got the most power of any politician in America right now. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And he's stuck by his guns. He gave them a little bit of hope last week and then pulled the rug out from under him over the weekend. And then, with this election, if there was even the slightest doubt that he was going to stand his ground and thwart this ridiculous socialist remaking, you know, FDR style remaking of America, that, that's over now. He has all the evidence he needs to say, I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right th- thing. Him and Cinema now have the political cover to do what they need to do. It'll get them reelected. And it only takes one anyway. It takes one to, to stop. In fact, it doesn't. It takes more than one. Until they abolish the filibuster, this deal is not going anywhere. They will have to abolish the filibuster. You would think that they learned their lesson when they did that with the judicial appointments back during the Obama administration, which led to, you know, Bush and McConnell. I mean, not Bush, Trump and McConnell completely overhauling our judiciary. Thankfully, you would think they would have the sense to not go there. It's hilarious. Bernie Sanders has been going around and tweeting and, you know, doing interviews saying that it's absurd that that two people are holding up the democratic will of the United States, uh, the people of the United States. It's like, no, 52 people, jackass, 52 people, because there's 50 Republican senators as well who are never going to vote for this nonsense. Right. There's about nine of them who would probably vote for the 1.7 trillion because they're not real conservatives on any, any, any definite definition. Yeah. Yeah. Mitts among them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, 
yeah it's it's wonderful it's but, a good you day know, yeah when they when um mcconnell and schumer came to that understanding it was that they weren't going to do away with the filibuster it was like a gentleman's agreement right you, recall, you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah. Yeah. yeah now that now that you know they're trying to crawfish on that yeah which, i don't know how i don't know how I, I, they're making some noises um we'll see we'll see at, at the end of the day if if mansion does stay dug in which i think he's going to uh even that doesn't solve the problem they would be abandoning. They would have to have Minish, Manson, Mansion, and Cinema, and the other, say, five or six red state Democrats in, in the Senate sign off on something, then eliminate the filibuster to cram it through, and that would probably doom uh, Mansion and Cinema when they come up for re-election. So I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen, dude. No, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah. You know what was encouraging though is watching the results come in and. And we've, you and I have never you ever feeling, said. Was your that, cup filled with liberal tears, leftist tears? No, no, no. no. I was actually going to say that it, it looked like a fair election. And who the hell knows? Like, you and I have never gone on record and say the election was stolen from Trump. We've said that state laws were changed to make mail in voting easier. And that way, the election. And some of those state laws were broken under, you know, this uh, emergency whatever they want to call it declaration because we're in a pandemic, you know, all that bullshit, but we've never said Trump that the election was stolen. We've never said that. I was worried that, you know, how could you not have that in the back of your mind watching this? Are are conservatives really going to get a fair shake? So when you're, when you're watching and now you're seeing 96% of the vote come in and Youngkin's got like a three point lead, you know, that it's over and that you've won. And there's nothing that's good. You're not going to wake up the next morning and be like, oh, shit. That was pretty um, for me. It felt made me feel good. It's like, OK, the democratic process still works. Still have faith in it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, what, were you watching any of that coverage? Honestly, no, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I wish I would have watched MSNBC. It was a firestorm on Twitter of saying, hey, if you want some good entertainment, watch uh, Rachel Maddow and Joy Reid yeah. meltdown on live television i have seen that this morning uh (laughs) article after article about it uh it's beautiful it's wonderful she did the same thing mad out whenever trump was elected and was like um, yeah i was watching that night and it was that was awesome yeah and just like this like it was just like a snowball rolling down the hill it kept getting bigger they were just like huh wait we have a problem oh wait we we have a big problem and then they show the you know the live scene of what was supposed to be Hillary's uh, grand victory speech and it's like literally a, like a, you know a, a third of the room full of crying lefties and <laughs> she doesn't even come out to take to make a concession speech. Do you know to this day that Broad still hasn't conceded that race? Like so, did you see on our Instagram where I posted the the tweet that she uh, made in 2016 where she wished herself? She posted a picture of herself <sighs> as a kid. She wasn't a bad-looking kid, by the way. She got much uglier. As she hey, dude, you should check out some life. pictures of her from college. I like, think what she happened was to her. She was hot in college. She man. just gave up in life or something. Like it didn't didn't go well for her. Uh, Listen, but- dude, when your husband is not just a philanderer who goes around cheating on you, but go, does so with you know physical assaults and basically rape, that'll age a woman, right? I suppose so. That'll, but that'll the tweet was she wished herself a happy birthday and said. Happy birthday to this future president. Yeah. That, no, that tweet aged about as well as her face has. <laughs> and that's not well. 
I've, I, have I ever told you that I, I've been in the same room with her? Oof. When I when I was in D.C. in the Senate, uh, I was in the what's called the ante room, which is like if you ever watch C-SPAN and you're watching like a committee hearing, there's always a door behind the chairman and you'll see like staffers slip in and out of it to feed stuff to the mm-hmm. people who are, you know, the, the actual like senators. Like Biden say, wake up, sir. You fell yeah, asleep that, again. Exactly. Yeah. So she came in, you know, just very briefly. What they do is none of them sit through the whole hearing. The senator comes in to their committee hearing just long enough to say whatever they have to say about the topic at hand and then they split. But anyway, so she came in to her credit. I will say out of all the senators who came in and out while I was doing that internship, I only had two even acknowledge our presence as interns. And one was Barack Obama and one was Hillary Clinton. She said hi to everybody. Hmm. Um, my main point was just that her, her bottom end was considerably wider than her top end. Yeah, <laughs> which was very okay. It was sort of like a trolley pair. Uh-huh. Um, one other thing of note, and we'll dive into this more, but um, Minneapolis had a pretty resounding victory. Yeah, in Dude. in the realm of defund the police, and in this mm-hmm. case, they weren't defunding; they were getting rid of. This was up for vote, like for the city. We're going to get rid of the police department, and we're going to replace it with basically social workers <laughs> that's what the they, they said that when when you know when someone calls 911 they don't need a police officer with a gun to show up they need someone that can you know talk through the situation with the person uh no 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 you're, you're dealing with violent people often criminals often people that are on drugs that are in no way shape or form even close to dealing in the realm of reality you need you need trained police officers with guns. I'm not saying that a social worker in some cases shouldn't accompany the police officers. I'd be down with that. I think we all would, right? You know, um, oh, that's not a bad idea. But but anyway, let me let me the whole let thing me, was go ahead. Let me take a little devil's advocate. Maybe it would be a great idea because um, suddenly government employment would be a highly hazardous job, and maybe fewer people would seek government employment. And uh, that would just like by default shrink government. Maybe maybe yeah. we should just turn the policing over to, uh, you know, government officials with Bachelor of Arts degrees in quasi psychology. And, um, you know, if they get shot by the bad guys, they get shot by the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we could have on their tombstone. It couldn't happen to a nicer person. <laughs> <laughs> don't wish that on anybody. I don't. I don't either. On. I don't. But no, to your point, Minneapolis. Um, they have been in the throes of hell ever since George Floyd. Um, I, th- I know I've talked about a uh, Megyn Kelly episode where she had these two uh, black people, this couple from Northern Minneapolis, a district in Northern Minneapolis that uh, has seen. Dude, they had had at this. So this was that was in like June. I listened to that. And at that point, they had had like a dozen kids under 12 years old die in crossfire from gang shooting stuff. You know, and we've talked about how 19 unarmed black men were killed in 2020 all year by the police. That's a roughly the average. It's always 15 to 20 unarmed black people in this country being killed by the police. And here the city of Minneapolis alone had had 12 black children killed because they didn't have enough police to keep their city safe these people were begging for help begging for these leftist idiots 
on their city council to back down. Yesterday was a huge win for the safety and security of people. So they're going to keep their colors. police department, thankfully. Right. That's the upshot. And, and, you know, you and I are both in agreement that in some cases, pol maybe police reform is necessary, you know, more training. Um, it is, dude. It is. Listen, when a, when a police need to be held accountable, just like any of the rest of us, right? That is mm. a, a good friend of mine who we've talked about in the past, who I've had this conversation with many, many times has made the point, you know, that the average black person is not interested in defunding the police. They're interested in holding police accountable, right? Yeah. You know, their point is, you know, when a black person does something bad or is alleged to have done something bad, they are likely to get the book thrown at them. But when an officer does, you know, I think about, you know, I think one of the most egregious of all time was that Philando Castile shooting in Minnesota, by the way. Maybe that lefty state isn't very well run. Maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, I think it was Minnesota. It was either Minnesota or Michigan. But, you know, you know, the story of Philando Castile. He was, a he was the guy who had a permit to carry and had his firearm in his car and he got stops and he explained to the officer that he had a loaded firearm, provided his, uh, you know, his CHL or whatever they call it uh -huh. up there, was asked to pr produce his, you know, papers. So when he went to grab him, cops shot him dead in the, in the road. Was on that the, the one with his girlfriend in the car with him? I think his girlfriend was riding shotgun. Right, okay, yeah, I've seen that And one. that cop walked with no... <laughs> You know, that's tough, man. It's just, it's not excusable. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not well, excusable. Anyway, big win. Oh, here's Work another good example the lady that up in your neck of the woods that came home from work and stormed into the wrong effing apartment and killed the resident of the apartment thinking right. that he had entered her house. I think she got acquitted, didn't she? I don't. No, no, I don't think she did. I think she, she was not? charged with manslaughter. Maybe she was. Yeah. No, I'm, that was a big deal here. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure she well, was. I know she was charged, but was she held guilty of manslaughter? I don't know. I'll we'll have to look that up. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. We should know that. Um, yeah. I wish I could remember. I know she was immediately, like, suspended and then terminated. And, you know, um, I don't know what happened right. with the guy that shot Castile. Do you remember that guy's name? Um uh, that's so close to the tip of my tongue. Um, the gentleman that she shot that was from the islands. Mm -mm. Uh, no, I don't. But that's okay. Uh, let's not get lost in the weeds on that. Um, I, so we, we didn't do our normal pleasantries. Uh, but, you know, hey, what's going on in your life? So I figured before we get go any further, uh, how, how, how's, how's life at the, uh, the Cook household? How's your week been? That's good, man. Um, started it off. Uh, we were so fired up about America that we didn't even do a proper. Yeah, we came reading. in. We came in Second Amendment, <laughs> Second Amendment blazing. Uh, yeah. So Sunday was a great start to the week. Um, I am signing back up to run the Alamo Half Marathon again this year. Mm -hmm. um, I Why did are you doing that, by the way. You're supposed to do it with me. We need to have a talk about that. Um, uh, you, you, had, you had committed to it <clears throat> um yeah. two years ago i signed up for the alamo full marathon and um that had been something a marathon had been a bucket list thing for me for a long time but i didn't really have any timeline or mm -hmm. i think i remember thinking once that i wanted to try to get done by the age of 50 
which at the age of like 35 really gave me a lot of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, when we went on that hunt in Montana with Ty, um, the elk challenge thing had become too much of a consuming sort of obsession. And he mentioned having had run a marathon and I was like, dude, I need to get that done. Ty's done it. I need to do that. And so like a month after we got back that October, I was in church and uh, a lady came talking, recruiting a team from our church for the race uh, under the world vision nonprofit uh, umbrella. World vision is this now 71 year old, uh, Christian nonprofit that puts water infrastructure, freshwater infrastructure in, in the developing world, Africa in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the largest non-governmental uh, water providing or- organization on the planet. Uh, they say that because of how long they've been doing this and sort of economies of scale and everything that for 50 bucks, you can provide uh, an African child with water for the rest of their life. Uh, so anyway, there was this like, just, I've really felt like moved by the spirit to s- sign up and join the team and do the fundraising. And so I did that. I did the 18 weeks of training, ran a good race, hit my, I think I had like a $3,000 fundraising goal. I'll be, and, I'll be honest with you that they're, they're correct. $50. Like sure. just from hunting they with Johnny safaris, it. they've yeah. put in a well at the school at the little country school there. They did it with hundred dollars. Right. So maybe it cost them. Everything's so cheap there. Maybe right. it cost them right. three or $4,000 to dig the well. You, sure. you know, you take 30 runners, man, you, you're more than 50 bucks. I mean, what, what your goal was 3000. You did the well, you could have put the well in yourself with the money you raised. Right. Yeah. To your point, it's cheap, every, cheap, it's, cheap. It, everything's cheap over there. Everything's super cheap there. But when you're a 70 year old organization that has the kind of contacts for contractors that they have and everything too, right? Like mm-hmm. then that can just drive that price even further down, right? They have the ability to buy, um, you know, at scale. Right. So yeah. yeah, I don't doubt it for one second. They, that's like their main tagline. Anyway, I volunteered to lead a team at that time last year, COVID wrecked the, the, the well, this year's race, the 2021 race got delayed like three months and none of the local churches, uh, were willing to volunteer a team. So this summer I was asked if I was still interested in leading the team. I did. So on two, Sunday, back to the point, I spoke at both services had over 20 people come up uh, to me after church wanting to join the team. Uh, as of this morning, I think I've got a, like 13 formally signed up. They've all pledged a minimum of like $2,000 to fundraise and then went with a whole bunch of church folks to a neighborhood. Um, several families got together and had a Halloween party, uh, did a hayride around getting candy. Um, yeah, had a productive work week so far. Everything is good, man. So and back then, on the, uh, so this time it's a half marathon, but back running on the a half training. Time. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> yes. I ran my first two miles since April of 2020 on Monday and my calves are still killing me. I got on a bike with a neighbor on Saturday morning and re- rode 34 hill country miles and was barely sore on Sunday. Like I was fine. Right. But I ran two effing miles at a nine minute pace on Monday and I could barely <laughs> walk when I got up this morning. I ran, I ran oh, two miles this weekend too, but I don't have any aspirations of uh, running a half marathon. Two miles in my Yes, you do. Like, you're supposed to like, come. No, you're, you're, supposed, you're supposed to come running with me. All right. Here's we'll what see. you need. We'll to revisit do. this. You can, you can sign up for the race. We'll run it together, and then we'll head to the turkey lease for a few days. <sighs> yeah. 
Okay. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. By the way, we got to fill out our paperwork for uh, for that gentleman. Yeah, I might be getting out of that deal. So I have started to drop that on the Punk? air. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I got really? another. Yes, I got a opportunity to to get this place in Mertzen. It's good for you because I'm going to take you turkey hunting there. So it's just one more. Now we have an extra property. All right. So fine. you you take me there. I'll bring you to mine. Deal. Punk ass. Right. Deal. Um. So yeah, I, I you didn't ask, but I'll tell you, you had a good weekend too. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I can't say that I ever made love before church on Sunday, <laughs> but that happened. That helps you focus. I bet didn't it? Oh man, I was really you were clear headed, and that's right. <laughs> yeah, because we were having a uh, people over for Halloween, and it was like you know I like to keep an every other day schedule, and mm-hmm. Aaron was like, it's important. You just want to get this over with this morning. <laughs> yep and i was like you brought it up usually i'm the one that has to bring it up and she's like yeah why not so uh well what really happened was i was selling this grill this old pellet grill um and the guy drove from houston to pick this thing up and he was supposed to be here whoa 9 30 i can't see how that possibly made economic sense for the guy but okay it's an expensive pellet grill okay and i got a new one from a different sponsor and so i was getting rid of this one so the guy he shows up at 7 30 and now it's like well what okay so i help him load this thing up and and then it's like well i don't really can't really go back to sleep and aaron's like i don't want to go back to sleep either we got too much to do today getting this house ready and anyway so that happened it was great um then i told you last last time our pastor did the the annual give us your money sermon you know mm-hmm so I immediately took the $600 that I got for the grill, put it in an envelope and gave it to the church. He <laughs> got me. And then this week was this basically, it's like a three part. I've never had a three part uh, series on tithing, but that's what we're into right now in, in our church. So <sighs> it maybe, uh, maybe the coffers have gotten a little light since uh, everybody's had to stay home for a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. He did say that we're going to have actual communion like real communion next week. But he says they're, they're working on how they're going to pull that off. But how about just do it? Yeah. Just I, do it. It's fine with me. Yeah, me too. Um, what do you ever? But that's because we don't live in fear every day I, of our life. I have another question for you about your relationship with your wife. Do you ever like <laughs> trade, like make a deal? Like it's your, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to probably have sex that day. It's, you know, but you look at your wife and you just like she just looks so tired. You're like, I'll tell you what. Because this this is what happened last night. So if if there's lingerie involved tomorrow, we can push this back a day. <laughs> She's like, fine. <laughs> I guess I need to Make become deals? a better. I, I need to become a better negotiator. Um, normally, it's more just like uh, <laughs> as as long as nothing stops tomorrow, we can punt for one day. Uh, I'm not usually getting anything more than that commitment, I suppose. Uh, so no, you got to yeah, get it in I, writing. Like we shook on it, so it's it's done. It's done deal. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a I, I I stumbled on a book. Years, I actually heard about this book on a Christian radio station I was listening to on XM, um, but it was about marital stuff. It was it was a book written by these three women. It was called like Hot Mamas. Hot mamas. Yeah. And it was these three women talking about sort of embracing their sexuality, sex life in sort of middle age. Right. And, um, 
you know, having gone through periods early in marriage where their husband was like insatiable and it was a chore, especially when they had kids and da 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 da, and then reaching a point in middle age where it was like, this is good, it's enjoyable. He, it's how he, sh- some part of how he shows his love and appreciation and, you know, and, you know, interest in them, the girl, the ladies, right? So anyway, there was some pointers in there about how to sort of embrace that and make a love life more uh, regular and spicy, right? And hot. Mm. One of the ladies made the point. There are days where she's like, I just don't feel like it for, you know, a thousand reasons because women work their asses off no matter what they do with their time, right? Right. Sometimes they're exhausted and, you know, hubby comes home and is hoping to get some. And she's like, so, you know, I try not. She said she basically tries you know, to, I, I don't know if persevere is the right word. She said when she feels the need to tell him no, that she would always basically promise we'll do it tomorrow, you know, and, and lingerie and, and never, well, <laughs> yeah, with, without any extra strings attached. And she was like, and never, ever break that promise. Right. Like if you need a night off, you should be able to say that. But if you say to keep the guy from just feeling rejected, tomorrow we're, we're so honor that promise to do it then we are we're, we, that's true we it's are 100 true our egos are pathetic uh admittedly the first step <laughs> to uh healing is to acknowledge it um but yeah dude it sucks when you, you know you love your wife you think she's hot and she shoots you down and doesn't seem to give a shit that's not <laughs> not a good place to be <laughs> so here's, a, here's another interesting thing about so if you do it in the morning and you know you have a big day of basically like honeydews for because you're having 15 or 20 people over. I made a big pot of uh, venison chili. It's like our our uh, Halloween tradition. But then, so if you've already gotten it, are you having a better attitude? Or if you haven't gotten it, are you having a better attitude because you want to get it? So I told her like on the way to church, she was like, I want you to do this, this, and this. And I said, Whoa. You shouldn't have given up. So, you shouldn't have given it up so easy then. <laughs> you know, She's like, you're an asshole. You that's yeah. See, but which you, one? Which one are you? You personally? I mean, I, I, wasn't, I was a saint. I did everything she wanted me to do. But there are times when I'm like, oh, yeah, I think maybe my attitude is better if if it hasn't already happened. I'm really trying to show you how great of a husband I am here. I can definitely tell you on the days where. Uh, that is pending a lot of chores get done by dad (laughs) but i am also a grateful lover who is very happy in that state if it's an early (laughs) you know if you get it get have an early (laughs) session uh, i'm more than happy to knock many things out throughout the day maybe not quite with the intensity and speed that i do on the days where it's in advance of but uh yeah yeah, you gotta be you, you can't you can't just use it exclusively as a bargaining chip cable. What's wrong with you? My wife, I, I'm also big on the, I know you're kidding. The, uh, that book, Love Languages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley's definitely an acts of service. That's one of her love languages. You ever seen that, that like funny, I think it's a little book, but it's got like, um, it's just got pictures of dudes, you know, hunky, you know, ripped dudes, but they're all doing chores, right? Like ironing the clothes or washing the dishes. And it's, like it it's sort of a joke right but it's presented as like you know ladies sort of 
porn, right? But yeah, these dudes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know maybe just about. maybe just with their shirt off, but they're you know ironing some clothes, and uh, you know that's supposed to be sexy to a woman. That's definitely Ash. Like, you know, when I'm taking care of stuff, I'm earning points for sure. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I do it whether it's pending or uh, directly afterward. I used to unload the dishwasher, and then my kids became old enough to do that so i don't yeah oh and see in my mind i don't know if it works for her but in my mind if i force the kids to do it that still counts (laughs) of course it does that's called good parenting and that was something that you had like henry mows the yard now he's eight years old nice boy but he was giving me crap this weekend and like he hasn't wanted to do it with the same fervor and he gets his five bucks you know and this kid saves money he doesn't want to spend money that's awesome um but aaron came inside she's like he's not into it because you're not out there with him like you like you used to be weed eating and since mm. it's gotten colder the grass isn't growing as much i'm like i'm not weed eating this week and she's like right. you need to be out there being involved while he's mowing the yard that's what that's what it's kind of like a bonding thing for him so you know i learned something from her i learned lots of stuff from her uh did you didn't know this i had to come home from my hunt last uh on last week it was thursday I had to come home early i well you knew this i we i texted you immediately and said hey i need some prayers but um yeah aaron got sick at work and started throwing up left work got to her car passed out threw up more got home somehow drove herself home 30 minutes and then was like had her head propped on the toilet so she was gonna throw up more and she passed out and hit her head and had a concussion i'm getting all this information while i'm sitting in a deer blind in south texas six hours away with no truck I rode with a buddy. So her mom takes her to the emergency room and like is having all this um, irregular heartbeat stuff. Yeah. Which immediately the first thing that came to my mind when I texted you, you know, you, you immediately, you know, it came to the forefront there too. But I'm thinking, oh, great. She's got some heart thing because of the stupid vaccine. Um, turned out they kept her overnight, gave her a bunch of fluids. Did They did a CAT scan, EKG echo the ekgs just kept coming back abnormal you're talking about somebody whose heart rates in the 70s and it was like 140 so mm-hmm. i was thinking oh so anyway i hopped on a plane came home the next day and um she's fine just was dehydration caused from food poisoning that was scary i felt very um very small and helpless being far yeah, away dude, from my bride who was in the emergency room and then had to spend the night in the hospital and no one could stay because of COVID. Like they didn't let anyone spend the night. So that was pretty, pretty weird. Yeah. I felt terrified for you, man. Um, Ashley and I were sort of petrified. Uh, she, she was home. The kids were at school when you texted me that day. And, you know, obviously like you pointed out, we thought to the shot issue and, uh, I was just like, oh my god! Not only concerned specifically for Aaron, specifically for you, specifically for your kids, but we were like, is this the beginning of a zombie apocalypse? Oh shit! You know, right? So yeah, it was a relief to hear that it was just something crappy that she ate. Um, doesn't change my opinion on the shots, but no. Well, and she still has joint pain that she didn't have before she got. The well, shot. right, I know. I can't. He's going to go see a rheumat- uh, rheumatologist. I can't remember soon. if you've mentioned that on the show, but that you know. I obviously was aware of that when you texted, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, she, yeah. and her excuse is, yeah, I'm almost 40. And I'm like, yeah, but at 38 and 39, you didn't have these issues. So what's the only thing that's changed? Dude, I will say that this year, 
a lot has changed for me in what seems like very rapid succession. <laughs> I have gotten tired all of a sudden. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you're what? You're about to be 41? Uh, yeah, I'll be 41 in January. Uh-huh. Yep. But I mean, you know, you know how the last six years has been for me, six, seven years. I've been just grinding working my ass off in the best shape of my life, high energy, getting stronger. And then I feel like I hit a wall this year. Mm. I was pretty stoked about this 34 mile race. I did. Did I say that before we started recording? Yeah. I think I mentioned that I ran two miles and I'm sore as could be, but I ran mm-hmm. the rate road 34 miles on Saturday and felt great. Um, the, there's a, a guy I met, um, kind of through BHA, you know, I made friends with that guy shook the pastor mm-hmm. youth pastor. Right. And so he introduced me to a guy here in Bolverde as we were moving up here, uh, named dusty. who's a great dude. Uh, his wife's a teacher at our girls school. She teaches, uh, Riley, I think English class. Um, he and a, his group of buddies have been elk hunting, I think like six years, probably straight. And finally tagged a bull this year. Uh, it had been just like this incremental progress like getting closer getting closer getting better at scouting getting in you know flung a couple arrows last year didn't connect that type of thing and then they they bagged a bull and actually arrowed a second bull that got away on him um so friday night it was homecoming and so he told me the story of elk hunting we we sat there for like an hour at the football game talking about sharing elk stories and uh we have a few we do have a few uh i was super pumped for him um, putting all that work in and finally getting it together. And, you know, you could just tell like, yeah, he's kind of, his crew's got it figured out now. Right. And, mm. um, but I told him about packing your bull up that hill around that blowdown. Um, and just how, st- dude, that was, I feel like physically like the peak of my life. So it was three years ago, this October, September, I guess mm-hmm. we had stashed your bull together the day we killed it we had moved it what was it like half a mile around yeah that which ridge. doesn't sound like a lot of work but it's basically it was like six hours worth of work it was all day we spent all day and we stashed it on the trail and thought we were up above this horrendous blowdown that had completely blocked the trail which would mean that the next day a crew of horses could come pick our camp up and then swing out to that trail pick the meat up and head out and then we start up the trail and find out, nope, we're below the blowdown and there's more blowdowns further down than that. So now we've got the meat stuck in between two huge blowdowns and the horses no can't get land. to it. Yeah. And I might have screamed curse words in the quiet forest. Uh, so many bad words. Yeah. But we decided since your feet were rotting off, <laughs> uh, they were gangrenous and beginning to smell like almonds, which is not good. That uh, might be a stretch. They had some really <laughs> bad blisters, though. They were so bad. Yeah. The instead blisters, of blisters had blisters yeah instead of getting up and trying to bag another elk i would move your bull for you while you packed camp and uh anyway so i ran down there moved the bull only a tenth of a mile up but it was straight uphill and it took five trips so i moved weight half a mile uphill and walked another half mile downhill each time then walked myself out nine miles up in, into the wilderness uh while you rode out so you know it was i Maybe other than the day I ran that marathon, probably the day I ran, man, that ran the marathon might have been worse just because I know I felt worse the next day. But 
probably the most physical exertion I had just about ever done in my life. And that night I was like talking to that guy, Dusty. I was like, dude, am I even capable of that right now? Like I'm still working out and I'm, I'm in decent shape, but I was just like, could I go do that if I had to do that tomorrow? I don't, I don't know. So I got up the next morning and rode 34 miles and felt better about myself. But <laughs> it's funny how that will do. 40 that. has changed things a lot since. A lot mm. more gray in the beard too. Yeah. The yeah. other day my dad was like, I had put some protein out uh, at the ranch. And so I was covered in protein dust. Dad's looking at me going, is your beard turning gray or is that just dust? And I was like, it's both dead. And, <laughs> and, the, and the gray has been building for like three years. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, four star. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that we've kind of done that in reverse order, just let's talk about the Lieutenant governor of, New- of Virginia. And first I want to read the headline. So this is at the top of MS. NBC's website and it's um, it's telling because here we have a black lieutenant governor a female and here is MSNBC top of their page Glenn Youngkin's victory proves white ignorance is a powerful weapon white ignorance so and I want to talk about this like on a, on a broad scale no the, the racist <laughs> That headline is why this country continues to be divided and why it will continue to be divided. What it should say is we missed our mark, you know, and now we need to do some, some self introspection because we screwed up, but no, it's, it's the majority of a state. We're going to call them basically ignorant white people. That's their reaction to losing a, what they thought was going to be a slam dunk victory for McAfee. Yeah. The, it pisses it, me off, dude. It's like, the, okay, the, the, you, they just don't get it. You're going to call us all racist. We just kicked your ass in this election. The we rose up. Yeah. The ignorant, racist, white Virginians are so ignorant that apparently they couldn't tell that former Marine Winsome Seals is a black lady. Right. Right. Yeah. In the same Ign- breath. Ignorant. I don't see any subtitles. I love, I love it. Keep it up, y'all. Just keep it up, dude. See how this is working, y'all. Lefties, keep it up. You know, you don't. You think all those Republicans, in, or more importantly, all the non-committed, you know, middle of the road, non-partisans of Virginia that clearly swung over to the Republican side and got both her and uh, Youngkin elected, in large part because of racist CRT crap being taught in Virginia schools, you, you think that they feel shamed by MSNBC this morning? Hell no. They feel infuriated and empowered just like you and I do. Keep it up. Keep it up, Joy. Oh, and Joy. Rachel Joy and all of them basically on the air yesterday said that critical race theory is, is not, doesn't exist. Not a thing. It's not yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. You lost mm-hmm. the election because of that, by and large. And yeah, and your pre- and and your president, his approval rating is somewhere between twenty eight and forty two right now. It's pretty good for for a guy who can't even put a cognitive thought together. The fact that there's three Americans in this country that can support a senile old bat like him is fairly impressive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take a listen to Winsome Sears. Former Marine? Is that what she's a former Marine? Certified badass. Yes, that's right. Let's take a listen. United to States. This. You want 
talk about somebody who loves being an American, uh, this is worth a listen. And she would know because she immigrated here with her father. And so let me tell you this. I am not even first generation American. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me, I was willing, willing to die for this country. Yeah, yeah so man, that was pretty badass. Yeah, like I said, certified badass, dude. She's a United States Marine. Um, she had a lot more to say than that about how she took the proper nuanced approach to this race issue, man. She said, listen, this is not the same country that even her father inherited when he moved here in 1963 at the peak of the civil rights movement. We have made progress on these issues. Does that mean we're perfect? No. She said something like, well, she, she quoted, which comes up in our church all the time. She's like, we have a saying in my church that um, I, ain't, I ain't who I'm supposed to be yet, but I ain't, I ain't who I used to be either, hmm. is what they say in her church. And, and that should be the mission of every human being on the planet. And we should be trying to do better until the day we die as individuals and as a society. If you're not, and so it's just such beautiful perspective on all that, of this. What's the point? That's right. You're not living well, for sure. You're not trying. Yeah. That should, you know, and and part of the reason that I think, particularly the Christian community in this country, doesn't has such a hostile, and, and I mean Christian of all colors, right? All of us, black people in particular, they're looking at this critical race theory inspired way of trying to teach these issues and saying why do we have to literally burn the constitution and the entire country down for past sins the whole point of our faith is that we are flawed as a species we're born with original sin and, and we commit sins but through the grace of god we are forgiven for those and we can make the choice to be better right and we're not a finished product ever. You're never a finished product. This country is never a finished product. There's people all over the country, you know, uh, secular and otherwise, that, that I think are starting to wake up to that reality. You know, I mean, cancel culture is anti-Christian because it doesn't allow for that, right? It doesn't allow for growth. You know, when, when somebody gets canceled for a something they put on Facebook in 2007 or on Twitter in 2012. That shit was a decade and a half ago. Mm -hmm. They're different people now. I love this quote. I think it's from the, the Greek philosopher Seneca. And he said, wrote, a man never steps in the same river twice, for it is not the same river and he is not the same man. Hmm. Beautiful, right? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, she had some other quotes in her in her acceptance speech last night where she talked about that type of thing, the nuanced understanding of, dude, this place is better than it was 50 years ago, and it sure as hell a lot better than it was 150 years ago. You know, she points out, just the other day, we had a black man elected to president twice, and just tonight, the state of Virginia, you know, elected its first 
black female to major state office commonwealth mm-hmm. um so yeah there's clear progress but that doesn't mean we just throw our hands up and quit we can get better but it also doesn't mean we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. so anyway she's a badass uh there's this awesome photograph of her holding an ar-15 and looking effing serious yeah, i love that i love yeah. it especially the meme where it's next to current soon to be ex-governor of the commonwealth of virginia doctor uh dang why am i ralph northam who you all may remember as having found been found out to have a blackface scandal now i'm kind of contradicting myself because it was when he was in college in the 80s and i should be i should be (laughs) at least you're calling your own foul I, I, I can forgive that man for that. What I can't forgive is at the same time that that scandal broke, um, some much more recent audio since he was the governor of Virginia was released where he was explaining what to do with the product of a botched abortion when the baby you were trying to kill is born alive. And he was the one who said, what we do is we make the baby comfortable while we talk to the parents about what we're going to do with it instead of mm. saving it. Because now it's a human life in the world if it wasn't already simply behind two inches of skin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, good riddance to him and his black face and his clan masked uh, comrade from his frat days. It's amazing. If it was a conservative, canceled. Like, oh, dude, like Justin the prime Trudeau. minister of Canada, Trudeau. Multiple instances of blackface, as like recently as the last five, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to do that. I want Dak Prescott for Halloween because the Cowboys are playing, and by that I mean, you know, if Dak just wore blue jeans and tennis shoes and a Dak jersey, uh, <laughs> and everyone else was painting their faces, and it the joke did come up. Uh, do you want your? No, no, we don't want to do that in 2021. <laughs> nope, not a good idea. No, terrible. Um, but I did ask. I said, now, if a black person painted themselves white and did whiteface, would that be racist? What do you think? No. The answer is no. No. Why not? I'm going to have to disagree with you. It has a lot to do with this history of those menstrual, whatever that, you know, you've talked about it. What was that guy's name? Playwright or songwriter or whatever he was that I'm trying to remember. It has to do with the history of these touring musical acts basically painting up in blackface and like mocking black people, right? Um, But, you know, to your point, though, when Megyn Kelly got herself canceled from CBS or whichever morning show she jumped ship to, it was for simply asking the question. She was like, when I was a kid, I loved Tina Turner. Are you telling me that if I wanted to go to Halloween dressed as Tina Turner and put black makeup on my white skin to make it more clear that I'm dressed up as Tina Turner. Are you telling me that makes me a racist? And they, the idiot broads on the show with her, like just flabbergasted that she dare ask the question. And dude, listen, if, if it's true that all black people are offended by something like that, something that would be by the person doing it intended as a tribute to somebody like a Dak or a Tina Turner, Mm -hmm. then, you know, far be it for me to, you know, inflame people deliberately. But the truth is, I don't think half of black people in the country, I don't think probably two thirds of black people in the country would give a shit. Now, if you're dressed up in blackface, I have to ask black people. I don't, I don't, I can't speak to that. I have no idea. 
I'm saying if you're dressed up like a football player who we all know or a music superstar who we all know, and that's your intention, you know, versus Ralph Northam's picture, he's just got like a bow tie on. He's this nondescript black person. And I, if I'm not mistaken, a KKK clan hooded guy has got Next a noose around his neck in, one, in some of the photos. That yeah, was right clearly there. a fucking deliberately racist presentation. Those jackasses. Were How's the guy? I don't even understand, dude. Like, it's, either, dude. it makes no sense. And as bad as that photograph is, dude, my whole point is what he said about killing babies is worse. Infinitely worse. Anyway, and they're both terrible. What about what's 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 what is really, really bad times infinity? <laughs> uh, the Clintons. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Colin Kaepernick has a new Netflix special. That was money, dude. That was that was good. You need to put your splice some applause track into <laughs> the audio Bravo. feed right there. Pat myself on the back. Uh Colin Kaepernick has a new Netflix documentary. You've seen have you heard about it? I've heard about it, yeah. So I've only seen the, this clip. And I'm not gonna watch the documentary because I'm not gonna watch this bullshit about how Americans are also racist and Colin Kaepernick is this victim and is so oppressed. Oh, dude, you sucked at football. You 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 made a political stance and people didn't like it, okay? You you sucked at football and still managed to make like over $100 million because of it. You yeah. had to make over $100 million for throwing a football badly and then taking a knee. Dude, a lot of the whole BLM movement is directly related to him. And... And I'm not the. I don't think the good side of it, to be frank. But you, like, but you I, realize I, you, you realize that that describing it in that way, you're putting the cart before the horse. Colin Kaepernick is a plant, dude. That was all by design. He didn't out of the out of the goodness of his own heart to decide to take that stand. He's got these ties that are very well detailed to leftist organizations uh some gal he was dating was like a big you know crt inspired activist like that was all by design dude he didn't become the accidental face of blm yeah he was he was he was asked to do what he did by somebody i i'm not disagreeing but ultimately if he was still good at football he probably wouldn't have done that i don't think if you're on top uh, of the world as a you know like okay um russell dude, I mean, wilson why would, dude he was getting money thrown at him by these private interests in like nike oh yeah getting yeah, more money has, thrown, you know he's his own ben and jerry's ice cream flavor he has made more money for taking a knee than he ever made playing football why do you say if he had been better at football like i don't know that for sure well, well here's the thing super bowl here's champion is going to be taking a knee because they've got their legacy and these guys are too going back to the male ego like there's no way there's just no way russell wilson well, isn't going to sit, throw his career in the shitter so that he can take a knee and become the face of this movement he's just not going to do it but, but russell Williams, football but russell wilson is not colin kaepernick i should rephrase one thing i'm not saying colin kaepernick didn't you know wasn't drinking the kool-aid that he was trying to sell right mm -hmm. i do think he believes all that crap that he's so oppressed that he that's made why he, hundred million dollars. Like, give me a fucking. Uh, leftists don't the have they don't, they, they don't have to make sense. I you couldn't go two shows without it. All right, give me a freaking break. Um, but
but but the one thing about this netflix one clip that i saw it's it's really ripped black guys in like dressed up as slaves they just have like cut off pants no shirts and it's white guys poking and prodding them as their slaves and then they walk out of like this time warp where they're you know 1835 and then they they kind of morph into as they walk into NFL players and he's basically saying that NFL players are slaves to their white owners okay now yes you he said you get poked and prodded it's a violation of you know um uh, well i guess his little safe space his own little wow, what is the word um i don't know help me out little safe space what uh, like snowf- personal snowflake? personal privacy i don't know basically people shouldn't be measuring you seeing how high you can jump how fast you can run taking you know, their personal space is that what you're saying personal yeah. space okay yeah. so but here's the thing if you go to like sign up for the military you have to do the same thing a lot of jobs give you physicals you're a hey, professional dude, athlete you're paid off of your physical performance but but this clip says that they're all slaves and they're treated like slaves some of the what percentage of the economic stratosphere are these NFL players in? That half a percent? Dude, smaller? The the top one tenth of one tenth of one percent of all the humans who've ever lived. Yeah. Slaves. No, way, dude. Way higher. Slaves. Dude. <laughs> Again, you know what? Going Listen back to our, going back to what we've seen on uh, like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, the critics are gonna give it like a ninety nine. And you'll watch the watch the fan fan meter and it'll be like Ten percent, guarantee it. Yep. No, dude, I don't really think anybody cares about Kaepernick anymore. I, I really don't. I, I feel like, I feel like that the worm has turned. I think last summer, everything came to a head because the video of what happened to George Floyd was undeniably terrible, mm-hmm. right? But fast forward a year later, and everybody now knows what CRT is, and it's got you know. 60 plus percent negative approval by the black community uh you know close to 70 plus percent overall in all of you know sort of you know race aside in all of america crt is not popular colin kaepernick is not a thing nobody gives a shit about him when the nfl invited him to try out again he dicked around and you know just made a scene and ultimately didn't show up any credibility he had left i believe was shot at that point and to your point, when this thing drops, you'll see it. You'll, you know, it'll be clear oh, where the American public stands. Yeah, but who's talking about it from a positive light? Everything I'm seeing is uh, mocking. Nobody. Maybe that's because I'm trapped in my own, you know, anti anti <laughs> anti anti racism bubble. But what do you what do you think about that idea of? Uh, because most pro athletes are black. Certainly, not so much in baseball, but football, basketball. Uh, definitely not hockey, but the two biggest, the two most popular sports now are, are football and the NBA. So these players don't want to, a lot of them say we don't want to refer to them as owners. Like it, it, you're, it's a business. Like I'm the owner of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We're the owners of Justified Pursuit. Every, you know, Satan, Bill Gates is the owner of most the of the most, farmland in the world. Right. So now we can't call them owners because it's racist. It's just, I don't know. Maybe Trump was right when he said everything woke turns to shit. Yeah. I think we saw it in Virginia. 
That turned to shit real quick. Thank God. I'm not completely insensitive to the sort of look for. If you look at it through a certain lens, the NFL Combine does have some resemblance to a slave market. Yeah, but guess what? The, that's, white but, people, there's also white players. I'm aware, dude. And But let me just play it out. The league is basically all white owners except for one guy, uh, the Jacksonville owner, right? But to your point, set aside the fact that, yeah, there are people of all that's colors. That's pretty racist, though, Chisholm. You let the black guy have the worst franchise. I, it wasn't my decision. He's <laughs> he's the one that bought it. <laughs> Man, nothing to they're do with so it. bad. You know they call them the London Jaguars because they they're the ones that always yeah. have to go play in London. <laughs> yeah. No. I, <laughs> blame it on the white guys who own the league. Um, they do bring them in there and strip them down and poke and prod them and measure them and then you know get drafted to a team. You don't have the option of where you go. You get drafted. But to your point, in chattel slavery. You're then owned and not compensated. And in the NFL, you make a minimum of high six-figure salary, even as an undrafted rookie, and you know, potential to make a hundred million dollars in a career, right? So it's not there's enough semblance, resemblance there to sort of see where it's coming from, but it's it's not a reality. It's this it is a deliberately engineered oppressor oppressive oppressed mindset you know that's been driven into the brains of society by these marxist professors all across the country and you know to your point does the majority of the nfl the 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 black players in the nfl agree with colin kaepernick that it's a slave trade Mm, i doubt it oh there's no way you know uh it's not pissing them off enough for them to throw their hands up and quit well, they've got a pretty sweet deal worked out for themselves. Like on the revenue side of things, I think they get fifty-one percent. Yeah, dude. No, it, I mean, it, it, it's not. It's it's silly. But it's, so, getting back to the whole owner thing, I, I, dude, it's virtue signaling. That's all there is to it. You're right. We. It, it's no different than the fact that the dude. There, uh, when this stuff hit last summer, there was a movement. I can't remember if it was localized up there in your neck of the woods or if it was statewide, but a whole bunch of realtors in Texas banded together to try to stop using the word master bedroom because master bedroom sounds racist and harkens back to slavery in the real estate profession. Like, you know, if, if we've become so, I don't know, dude, I have two minds on this, right? My primary position would be people need to be tougher and not let words break their bones, right? Sticks oh, the bones. NASCAR driver, uh, who was it? He said retard. Did you see that? <laughs> no. He got cut off. Oh, God. It was Kazlowski cut off uh, a very prompt. It might have been Kyle Busch. I'm not sure. I'll, we'll put it in the show notes. But he, you could hear him on his headset. He, 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 like made a dangerous pass and cut him off. Could have ended a very bad accident, you know, wreck. He goes, "Are you freaking kidding me? The guy's retarded." That now is, oh, NASCAR is making him go to sensitivity training, mandate sensitivity training. Yeah. If you look up retard, 
retarded. He didn't say retard, talking about a person. He said that was freaking retarded. It's in Webster's Dictionary. I mean, it's an actual word, vernacular of the human language. But now you can't use it. Well, so so my, again, my default position is that's silly, right? Um, and, you know, and that kind of word policing is Orwellian nightmare stuff, right? But when it comes to, let's say, slavery sounding words in particular and the American black population, I have been thinking about this a lot and I can't remember if I brought it up on the show, but I know you and I have talked before about the concept of epigenetics, right? Uh, epigenetics is this idea that, um, that genetic code is not hard and fast. So it came up in the context of deer. We may have talked about this. It was Kyle Bush, by the way, just looked it up. Okay. If you are trying to raise big deer, you put a whole bunch of protein out on the land and you do all these things, right? And, and over time, your bucks will get bigger and bigger and bigger, even if you don't bring any, like, say, foreign genetics into the equation. Because what happens is the more feed and quality habitat that the deer have, the healthier, in particular, the mama does are when they get impregnated and as they carry, uh, you know, embryos to, to become fawns. And so what can happen, what happens is a stressed mother will send signals to the baby in utero that will turn off the genes that allow for maximum growth potential. Mm. And a mother that is born into a healthy, lush environment will send signals to the buck. Uh, you say it's a buck that she's going to have, right? To crank up big gene, big antler, big body potential, because that will allow that buck to become dominant and his genes to propagate, right? This is a well-understood phenomena in animal husbandry. It's something understood in cattle and other different species that making sure mamas are healthy gives you the best outcomes for offspring. That applies in human beings as well, right? If you've got a mother starving to death, she's going to have stunted children. And, and you can see that's why in North Korea, everybody's five foot one because they've had 70 years of starvation there. And it has stunted an entire race of people, right? I believe, and there is scientific evidence to back this up, that trauma can be passed generationally as ancestral memories as well. So if you're a people who went through hellish conditions for, say, a few hundred years, like black slaves in this country, it's very understandable and foreseeable to me, given the concept of epigenetics, that they could continue to carry some trauma generation after generation, especially the women, because they're empathetic people to begin with. They're, they're, like I said, there, there is scientific evidence all across the globe of this mm. concept of this generational trauma getting passed, right? Now, I will say that the left in this country continues to pick at that scab deliberately. I believe the left understands this concept and knows that as long as they keep reminding America of these atrocities, they can continue to use that as a weapon in their political wars, right? They continue to pick at that scab, make boogeymen out of people, right? 
And, and so that trauma sort of perpetuates itself. And so my point is, if I was, could have a chance to poll, you know, black people, and they said, you know what, man, we really don't like the word owner. And we really don't like the word master bedroom. I'd say, fine, fuck it. Let's get rid of them. Because mm. I appreciate the fact that y'all have a different background set of experiences, not just in your life since you were born, but as a culture going back generationally. Right. I have a question for you. So let's just go back to 2018 before all white people were racist in this country. If you asked a black person in 2018, if you, if they, if they thought that you cable Smith are responsible for what happened to my great, 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 great grandfather in 1840 what do you think they would have said compared to what they would say now based off of what everyone is telling like the general mindset of the the left now i bet it's two totally different answers yeah i think so i think it would be that's not progress that, that's my point that that's a no, giant we have, step in the wrong direction of progress and it's, have, and it's mind-blowing to me coming off the heels of a two-term Right. african-american president we have backslidden tremendously since september 2008 i guess it was right yeah tremendously um and a lot of it has to do with the very guy we elected all he did was drive racial racial wedge racial red wedges mm -hmm. i mean you got to keep in mind that dude went to harvard law the very place that critical race theory was spawned he's indoctrinated into this stuff all the people that he appointed were indoctrinated in this stuff look at merrick garland they had me convinced, I guess, five years ago, they being the media, because I used to believe what the media told me, that Merrick Garland was a moderate Supreme Court, you know, moderate would-be Supreme Court justice. Turns out he's a staunch, diet-in-the-wool, march to in lock, lockstep with the party leftist. And that's yeah. been made abundantly clear in the last two weeks as Congress has grilled him on his investigation into parents that are pissed off at these things being taught in these schools ah all right i don't think i have anything else for today i guess <laughs> yeah I, well, I just we could dive into another topic but i think we'll save it i think i have a a guest lined up for us for next week yeah sweet. Um, i told you i was getting a guest i didn't tell you who it is uh, her name is garen pido or pido it's b-i-d-o and she is a nurse who's kind of made headlines and uh is being forced to get tested every time she comes to work for coronavirus COVID-19 well that's that's great except for her coworkers who are vaccinated are not having to get tested <laughs> but the question that's is awesome. can vaccinated people still get COVID uh, yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. So why are we not testing everyone? If you're going to make yeah, anyway, uh, I think she's going to jump on with us next week, and we'll, we're going to try to start having more, uh, more of those type of interviews. And it might just be with everyday people like like uh, Garen, but uh, she's also a firm believer, and I think her reasons for not wanting the vaccine stem from the fact that they used uh, aborted fetus human DNA in mm -hmm. the. Uh, production of these mrna is it mrna is that what it is yeah um vaccine so that's also how 
my neighbor Nikki, uh, Mickey, who is uh, we refer to him often on the show. Th- that's how he's trying to get out of his mandated uh, military vaccine for uh, religious exemption. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that stuff plays out. But anyway, she'll be here next week. Um, I don't know. What do you do? You got? Do you have a one-liner you can leave us with this week? Put you on the spot. Uh, go America. I accept. All right. Well, that's it for episode 53 of Justified Pursuit. We will see you guys next week. Go America. Go America.